One of my personal favourites this week is Matt Tebbett, currently the smiling host of Saturday Kitchen. Interestingly, cooking wasn't always the plan. His first ambition was to train as an RAF pilot, where he discovered his passion for cooking and subsequently went on to have his own restaurant before embarking on a very successful TV career. And that's where Matt and I became friends. It was ordeal by fire and food in Market Kitchen. And this conversation, it was actually marvellous to relive some of those, uh, some of the best and, dare I say, some of the blunders. Matt Tebbett, what a joy to see you. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. And this is, and this is my daughter, Lois. Hi, who, Matt. Nice to meet you. Who is... One of your firmest and warmest fans. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> Did you right. Get some briefing notes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a big Saturday Kitchen fan. It's, um, Thank you. It plays a big role in our household and usually determines what we eat every weekend or attempt to cook. So, yeah, no, we love it. We That's love very it. nice to know. I get, um, yes, I, it's a mixed bag. I get off uh, every week, as uh, I think I've told you, Matthew, I have Simon Hopkinson. Uh, relaying messages to me very quickly after the show, telling me what I've done wrong and why I do it better every week without fail. And as far as I'm concerned, you can do no wrong. <laughs> anyone, anyone who came through the hard school of market kitchen, you know, this just playtime. Well, that's a good point. Actually, I was going to ask. Let's talk about how you guys know each other. Um, okay, so I can I can tell exactly how I know you. So, so, so many years ago, I used to have this this little restaurant, little pub in the country. And um, in fact, did you come along, Liz? Because I remember Matthew, you came with your family. Oh well, maybe I did come. I must have been quite small. You, it was. A, I mean, I'm talking. God, probably fourteen odd years ago. I mean, it was a long time. So we had a review yeah. from your old man. Um, okay. When Most of the old. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was the, um, it was the Guardian, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we had a lovely review um, from Matthew, and then, and then that was that was good, and it brought people in, and that was lovely. And then something like, but I didn't actually know you then because um, I know going back before that, actually, Mark Taylor from Bristol uh, had come and um, gave us a nice little review, and he said, oh, "My friend Matthew Fort should do a review." So I think he puts us in front of you. Then we had the review, and then something like four or five years later, he pops up on Great British Menu, being the wise old sage, and, <laughs> uh, and then had to, um, had to put names forward for the region. So very kindly put me forward for that show, of which uh, I was up against Brim Williams, obviously got booted out within the first week, um, <laughs> and that was that. And then off the back of that, got Market Kitchen, and there we were, sort of reunited again. And off the back of that, got sat in the kitchen, and here we are today. So, and I think I have told you, Matthew, I do owe it all to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you something, Matt. I'm still looking for payback. <laughs> well, yeah. I could yeah. recognise talent when I saw it. You know, <laughs> and how right I was. Actually, I do think that's one one of the good things about GBM is actually it did help people. You know with uh, restaurants in rather obscure corners of the world, corners of the country, to, to really have a, a successful, make a success of it, made a little contribution. It was, it was absolutely brilliant for that. Before that, weirdly, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. 
when I started cooking back in the, the dark days of the 90s, you could name celebrity chefs on one hand. Um, and ever since that program, since GBM, mainly because of that, and I suppose shows like Saturday Kitchen, now, I mean, God, they're ten a penny. And it's really irritating because <laughs> there's no, this much money to be made out of the bloody pool. <laughs> my, my, my her attitude was that I did not want you know, all the other sort of celebrity chefs, the usual TV uh, you know, egomaniacs. Um, I wanted the bright young talent that I knew was shining out there in the uh, in the, in the regions. But, you know, how did you how did you get into the way of cooking the, to begin with? Well, I, I was it's well spoken about. I was always wanting to go into the air force, um, and oh. so I joined this this lovely club, lovely tax players club called the University Air Squadron, um, where they taught you to fly on your days off. So we used to have subsidised beer. They teach you to fly. It was all paid for. It was brilliant. Um, and I used to go off and do that. And then I'd come back sweating after an hour and getting verbally abused for not flying well enough. And I used to go back and relax uh, by cooking for my housemates at the time. And that became more exciting. So I, at the time, it was Gary Rhodes on the TV. And that was pretty much it. And he was having this explosion. But then at the same time, this was kind of 93, right? 92, 93. Soho was changing. Um, London was suddenly kind of booming, I think, uh, with restaurants. Big kind of Soho, Brasserie, Soho, Soho. Uh, it was slightly before the Conran days. But restaurants were, and Soho was taking on a whole different kind of feel. And it was much sexier and it was much more glamorous. And I used to love, I had a girlfriend in London at the time, and I used to go up and see her. And I used to go out for, for dinner and lunch and what have you. And it's, it was more, it was like going to the theatre. It was so much more exciting. And when you see a busy restaurant in full swing, and you see how waiters kind of glide without smashing into each other, and you've got the sort of the noise and the, the buzz of the room, and then you've got this kind of the engine room of the kitchen, and you've got this... There's two strange kind of dynamics. You've got that very kind of hard-assed back room, and then you've got that sort of soft, warm, hospitable front of house. And that kind of, that became more exciting. Uh, and then obviously, you know, I, uh, many years before I picked up White Heat, Marco's cookbook, um, and that again made being a chef cool and sexy and, and exciting looking, really. And it, was, it wasn't too dissimilar I think at the time to looking at going into the, to the military because it was it was hard it was brutal, but uh, but there was a lot of sort of camaraderie so that's what pulled me in. So you fell in, you fell, in, fell in love with the theatre of the restaurants and deprived the country of that great <laughs> figure Wing Commander <laughs> TCO VC MC and Bar. In, <laughs> in all honesty, I think my, my flying used to be called um, described as slightly agricultural, which I don't think. <laughs> It's quite interesting here you talk about how the how the food world was different then. How do you think it is now for young chefs that are getting into the industry? You know, d different, not so sexy, not so attractive? I think it's... No, I think it is. I think it's changed. Um, it's a very different world now to it was. It's, it's much more... Um, much more forgiving. Slightly more forgiving, maybe. Um, mm. Back then... There was pretty much you went to the French route or you went to the Italian route, 
there wasn't a lot else in between. I mean, all the, the, the young guys now who are grabbing from this country and that country, and they're not that worried about Michelin stars. They just want to make nice food, so they, they, they're not sort of pigeonholed into one bracket. I think it's a much more exciting way to cook. Uh, I think yes. there's, there's some fantastic food out there, which the, you wouldn't have found in those days. It was much more classical and much more rigid in its structure. Um, so I think, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's still a very exciting industry to, to get into. Do you think that the future of Michelin is, is, is potentially, uh, under question or might, you know, might become something different on that note? I've never been a particular fan and I've made no bones about it, um, (laughs) because it was so rigid at one time in its structure down to the point where, you know, if you didn't have a bloody sofa in your, in your restaurant, for some reason, you, you'd never get two stars, or it was something as ridiculous as that. So, so there are all these kind of parameters that they Im, Im, sort of imposed upon themselves. Whether they do or not now, I don't think. I think I think it's less so now. I think they've had to move at the times, and they've realised that um, food isn't just you know one thing. It used to be just sort of high end dining where people annoying waiters would brush down the table between courses, which used to drive me freaking mad <laughs> not leave you alone I mean Christ those days where you used to go into those restaurants and literally you're trying to have a conversation and they just mm. you're just pestered by somebody yeah, usually in a really, yeah. a really sort of quite a dirty shirt because that's the formality and that's the uniform that they had to wear now it's much it's much more chilled so hopefully those yeah those days are gone and do you think that television has played its part in that evolution? Yes, I do. I think, I think it's a huge part. I think people, people in this country, I think, particularly love watching food on TV. Whether that's a reflection in the fact that we don't all cook. I mean, I think if you look to Europe, they don't particularly like food TV because everyone cooks. Um, so it's a slightly different sort of dynamic. But I think, I think people... Shows like MasterChef, uh, maybe shows like Saturday Kitchen, Market Kitchen, of course. Um, <laughs> I think they have always, uh, yeah, helped food along. You know, it's it's it puts different foods in the in the sort of public domain, and and what good food should look like uh, and taste like, preferably. I mean, I'm, I'm quite critical of a lot of the shows where if you you know if if you sort of colour by numbers and you jazz up a plate and it looks like something that you think is good food, then it automatically is. And that's just, you know, as we know, it's just not the case. Um, so I think, yes, yeah, sw- swings around that. But on the whole, I think it's probably been quite good. You are a power for goodness in this <laughs> Exactly. Given, that, given that you're on food TV uh, a lot, do you watch any of it or not really? No, not, a, not at all. Not at all. No, I, I couldn't think of anything worse than watching yourself on TV. I have... I have done it, and it's mortifying, and you'd never, you'd never go back on there. Uh, the only thing it's good for is is annoying habits, uh, which I, I lean a lot, and I can look a little bit slovenly. <laughs> no, never, never. So, uh, so it's good. It's good on that uh, that note. But in terms of watching it now, I mean that's mortifying. God, <laughs> do you, do your kids watch you? No. Christ, my kids were. Jess is nearly twenty-one. 
Henry's nearly 19. They've got far better things to do than that. <laughs> I have to say, I can completely relate. I don't think I watched Great British Menu until a couple of years ago, just before you left. <laughs> <laughs> I think I watched the last series that you were on. <laughs> you know, Such was on a there. loyal supporter. <laughs> nice surprise. <laughs> but, but by the same token, then, do, do they are they interested in food themselves? Then, I mean, is it yeah. is it part of has it been part of their family growing up? Yeah, absolutely, they have. Um, they, my daughter loves cooking. She's very much like me. She'll get up in the morning, she'll, she'll start messing around with her breakfast, and then halfway through breakfast, she'll be thinking about what she wants for lunch and where should we go for dinner. I mean, that's just in her kind of yeah. makeup. That's in mine. I'm, you know, just, just inherently greedy. My son, uh, my son less so, although he's just... Before he was going off to university, I started showing him a couple of things, a couple of basics. And I think it dawned on him, A... Uh, the sort of the building blocks and the science of cooking uh, and how sort of that, those little sort of things work but also um, how satisfying it can be to actually make something from scratch like something simple like a bolognese or something like that and how that, the foundation of that can then become something else and then become something else in that student way you could sort of pull here and there and everywhere anyway so he got into food um, I tried to show him he didn't want to learn from me, so we had to send him on a cookery course. How I <laughs> But he got to, he went to um, somewhere in Cheltenham at some, some posh. But the instinct school. is there at any rate. Yes. Exactly. Is there. Yeah. And, and do, you still, do you still get pleasure out of cooking then? Yeah, I love it. I, uh, restaurant cooking, um, I, no. I, uh, when, we, when we gave the restaurant up, I was pretty beaten by that place. To be honest, um, it was it was brutal. There's there's restaurants and there's restaurants. There was a little family. We had a little family restaurant. Lisa was out the front. I was in the kitchen, and you just worked. You lived upstairs and you worked, and you didn't have a Saturday night off ever. Um, you didn't have a Sunday off. Monday you used to do your books, your orders, your washing, maybe go for lunch, and that was it. So that for 14 years, that um, it was wearing because you. You work too hard just to stand still. Does it take the enjoyment and the passion out of it slightly? That did. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it did. Um, however, cooking at home is very different. I love it. I love cooking for friends. Um, that's still as exciting. And going out to restaurants is exciting. It's a very different thing. But I think, you know, maybe, maybe it would be different. Um, but... To be honest, I mean, I'm 48 now, and I kind of like it. I like the fact that now that's gone. That was a stepping stone to this, and now the, the TV thing is running for however long that'll run, and, you know, who knows if I can not swear and <laughs> not get cancelled. <laughs> Listen, I thought it was going on forever too, so be, be prepared. Can I just <laughs> remind you, there were the occasional uh, um, rewarding things about the, the fox hunter, because I can remember some absolutely riotous dinners there, particularly around the Abergavenny Food Festival. Yeah, they, they were always um, the big nights. The, <laughs> the place was packed. Well, I remember, I mean, my, my wife always remembers, you and Tom were in there one night, both getting up, she said, oh, God, they're so well, well behaved, so well mannered. Because you're both getting up trying to help out with clearing the plates and things like that. Um, so she, she always remembers that. But those nights were great. Um, I mean, I've just come back from the Dartmouth Food Festival and it's much the same. It's just chaos. 
Uh, and it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just the most fantastic fun. Uh, orgy of hospitality, what a terrible word. But, uh, you know, when people, <laughs> they just keep ordering and food and drinking and, and there's, you know, everyone's getting on and everyone's having a great time. It's, it is the absolute sort of, you know, uh, pinnacle of, of, of hospitality. Those nights were great. They never they, they, <laughs> I can remember they were great, and but Market Kitchen served saved you from all of that and and turned you into a star, really. <laughs> star. Listen, um, there was fierce competition. Tom, myself, Rachel Allen, who else? I can't remember. Um, Rachel, Dinah, Henry, um, yes. Amanda Lamb. Yeah, there was there was quite a few. Tana Ramsey. That's there right. Was, I'd forgotten yeah. that Tana was on it. Well, she was yeah. only one there for one season. Yeah, um, that was uh, it. Was it was fantastic? And I mean, very often, every, every now and again, I meet up with Rachel. We'll, we'll talk about those days. And do you remember by about five o'clock, we used to have the teacup because we had to pretend it was morning. And the special tea was full of red red wine. Basically, <laughs> we were getting more and more pissed. And this was now about sort of six, seven o'clock. Sometimes eight, nine o'clock at night. We were shooting two and a half shows a day. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, yeah, they were, I, know, just, I mean, it was enormous fun. We got to meet some fantastic people. I, Jesus, I interviewed uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I remember Chris Martin was out in the car. Gwyneth Paltrow came up. Chrissy Hind, my most uncomfortable interview ever. Why was it your most uncomfortable? Oh, uh, she was out to destroy me. And she, and she absolutely did. She was, uh, so Chrissy, Chrissy is a, a vegan. This was, again, this was a long time ago before the vegan movement is anything like it is now. And, and she was just, we had this interview where she was, it was just like pulling teeth. And I, I at some point I stopped it. I said, Chrissy, and I, I won't say what I said, but I said, you're <laughs> effing killing me here. At which point she burst out laughing. And then said, okay, honey, let's start again. And then she was absolutely adorable. <laughs> but then she had to know that she'd broken me before we got to that point. So then, uh, so yeah, so it was, it was a fantastic show. It really was. It was a great, it was a great club. We had some really amazing people on it, and, and everybody asked to come on it. That was the amazing thing, considering yeah. how ramshackle it was. What a whole bunch of amateurs. <laughs> Yeah, we had, we had, God, Raymond Blanc, we had all the great chefs, apart from oh. Heston and Gordon. We had Simon Sharma came on twice at his own special request. I mean, you know, it's amazing, really. I, I remember you having to, um, to, to go and, um, appease, um, Raymond. Twice <laughs> I had to do. What happened? <laughs> he lost his temper. <laughs> well, the first. The one I remember most, the one I remember most was when he was doing a show at the time and it was, you know, there was a competition and a couple had to end up winning the, winning a restaurant, basically. Yeah. And, um, and they had to cook for him and they came into the studio to cook a double cooked souffle for Raymond. And I could see them cooking this and I could see that it wasn't double cooked. It was single cooked. <laughs> so you thought you'd flag this up. So I said, I said to Raymond, what do you think of the, of this wonderful souffle, Raymond? And he said, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not my dish. It's not, it's not my, it's not my double souffle at all. You know, it's not a double souffle, it's a single souffle. I said, yeah, but what do you think? I, I, I can't say what it was like, you know. And so we had this, uh, so we had this 
terrible. Then I said, okay, call the, call the producer down, stop the cameras. Okay, okay. And then Raymond had to be talked down from his state of absolute fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, poor them who were cooking it. Well, what about what about poor me? I was caught like a, like a between a rock and a hard place. And I tell you, when Raymond loses his temper, he is not to be um, trifled with. Not to be messed with. with. <laughs> not yeah. to be messed with. Yeah. Uh, actually, my favourite moment, the favourite moment of loss of temper, was when we had um, Anna Del Conte came in. Right. And Tom was doing some cooking. I think Anna Del Conte and I were sitting at a, at a table beside. And I was teasing Tom, and he got irritated. He threw a pepper at me. And unfortunately, it missed me and hit this bowl of <laughs> olive oil in, just in front of Anna Del Conte, oh, sending no. this tidal wave all, all over this exquisite cashmere suit she, she was wearing, <laughs> dress she was wearing. And her face was absolutely white. Oh, you but, wait years for a TV moment like that. But of course, she couldn't say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tom was like, oh God, I'm terribly sorry, I'm terribly sorry, but I didn't mean to. <laughs> anyway, there's, it was full of incidents like that, wasn't it? I must say, is that Saturday Kitchen seems much more orderly. Although, do, uh, have you had any disasters on there that you would care to share? Disasters. Um, on a personal note, I mean, the trouble is, the trouble, the good thing about it <laughs> is that we, so we're going on a Friday and we go through the food and if there's anything wrong, we'll change it then. Because very often I'll sit on a plane or a train or something and write a recipe and you go, oh, that's nice. And then you get into the studio and it's bloody terrible, so you have to change it. So, so I'll do that on a Friday, we do the scripts, and on a Saturday we go in and we do the whole run through and then we, we do it again. So you're, it's pretty well versed by the time you get there to live. Um, I did, on a personal note, I had a, a, a slight disaster. Disaster? Man, I'm not sure. Um, but I called... Peter Gordon once, under my breath, unknowingly, an effing genius, which in my book is a good swear. But I didn't, yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even know I did it. Somebody flagged it up at home, honestly, and then I had to apologise, fair enough, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I thought, oh my God, I was mortified. And then uh, at the end of the show, I had an email from Peter Gordon's PA saying, our website has crashed, will you please come and have lunch with us? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. if, if only old disasters ended so happily <laughs> yeah. you touched on something that i wanted to ask is in terms of the process during the week of how you set up each episode who is is it you that's deciding the recipes etc how, how, how does it work so so we get the guests um and then they they have an interview chat research chat with them on a sort of tuesday Wednesday, sometimes a Thursday if the guest pulls out, which happens occasionally. Uh, and then they just get likes and dislikes, essentially. And then you go, All right, okay, let's, you know, let's pick two of these and two of these or three of these uh, and try and put something together. And then there's all the other parameters that come in, um, like we're very aware at the moment of cost of living, so you can't be throwing lobsters at things and truffles. So it has to kind of reflect uh, a, where you are in the seasons, and B, where you are in, in the sort of the mood of the, the country, I suppose. And I kind of, I mean, it, and it's fun. I mean, it takes up a couple of hours coming up, but sometimes it's longer because you, invariably, people like the same things. Very often, I, I love Thai food, and I hate offal. You know, we get that an awful lot. So, so yeah, so you, you bake, that's how you do it. And then each week, we come off the back of a Rick Stein VT. Now, Rick might be eating... 
mouldy rabbit pate and the fort household. <laughs> Steady I love those segments. My my absolute best. My boyfriend and I love it every week when Keith Floyd comes on. He is. I mean, Keith Floyd segments are just brilliant. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we so we might be you know coming off of something like that. So you go okay. So if there's an ingredient used there, then we go let's use that. Or maybe he's passed a, uh, I don't know, some field of quince. That's the terrible analogy. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, so we'll, we'll look at doing something with that. So, so there's always a link there. Or we can use that as a springboard to do something else. Like it's National Pine Week or it's, you know, let's celebrate British sparkling wine or something like that. So, so there's always a, a kind of a slight link. Somewhere. Do you do, do you think that um, that British food is in quite a healthy place, or was it a quite a healthy place? I absolutely. Having just come back from America, Matthew, I'd, I'd say it ranks as one of the highest in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, no, oh, I absolutely. The Americans. <laughs> oh my word! I had some. I had some interesting food there. Yeah, everything sweet. What was it, what was yeah, it? let's let's hear. Give what? us an example. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, America's a good place. Let's, you know, let's remember that. But I, so I went, I've just come back from, it was Nashville and Memphis and Tennessee and New Orleans. And, and it's just, everything's sweet. Everything's sweet and sticky. Um, I really like, I got quite into grits. Proper mm. grits weighed well in a great restaurant is actually delicious. It's as good as, as any great polenta you'd find in Italy. I think it's, I think it's lovely stuff. But then, you know, you go elsewhere and wow, the, the, the waste, the plastic, uh, just, yeah, the quantities is just obscene. Uh, and, and the sugar, there's sugar in so much. So, yeah, I, I kind of struggled with that. I mean, you know, we had fried, fried green tomatoes and we oysters and we looked at all sorts of food. This is from this other show, Food Unwrapped, that we're doing. We're doing a little did you have any, did you have any squirrel? No, I didn't. <laughs> what? It's a big squirrel part of the world. Is it? Is it? I don't, well, I didn't see any on the menu. Um, There's a great tradition of eating squirrel down in them southern states. Is it? In Louisiana, yeah, around there. Creole really? and squirrel. Cajun. Cajun squirrel. Yummy, yummy, it's yummy. Squirrel, really? Is that, that, that nice? I have tried it once. It's particularly nice. <laughs> yeah, I had, it, um, I had it on Market Kitchen once, actually. It's like a, it's like a very dark kind of rabbit, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was not. It, it was not the answer to the world's protein demand. <laughs> no, like yeah. pollock. You're not a fan of pollock either, are you? Pollock. <sighs> it's a, a fish devoid of any interest whatsoever. I remember you were so bloody vehemently against pollock for some reason. <laughs> I always remember on, on GBM, someone served up some some, um, some pollock, and I said, the chef has done something truly remarkable on this occasion. He's taken a fish completely devoid of any character and made it inedible. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. They add insult to injury and put it in a water bath. <laughs> no, <I don't>. uh, <laughs> nice. Anyway, those are the days. Anyway, thank heavens for America because it shows up our own cookie in such a such a healthy light. Absolutely, absolutely, it does. Wow, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we look at London. It must be one of the major food capitals of the world, I think. Unless you can tell me differently. I mean, the 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 array of food that you can get your hands on is just phenomenal. I think it's it's a brilliant city. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I'd love to go to that part of America and, and try the cuisine. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, the, the heaviness 
comes through when you're in the States, doesn't it's it? A, it's the scale. You know, what, scale, you know, yeah. You understand. Do you know, there are only two sizes in America. There's extra large and king size. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, all the food comes in that, in that as well. I have to say, though, I went to a uh, one of these outdoor sort of outdoor world shops just to sort of being amazed by the size and scale of, of what they sell in there. And I brought a shirt, and I'm actually a medium in American shirts, which I'm really pleased about. <laughs> you should buy a whole lot more in that case. Instead of extra large, which I am, unfortunately. Do we have any listener questions? We do. We had a couple. You've asked one of them, actually, about blunders on uh, on Saturday Kitchen. But we've got quite a good question, actually, from someone called Lorraine, who says, what's your favourite kitchen gadget? Oh, well, a pair of tongs. I couldn't do anything without a pair of tongs and a microwave. That's Dad's answer. You're exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I learned everything from him, you know. (laughs) Yeah, a pair of tongs, a microwave and a cloth. That's all you need. Well, a knife. You need a knife. And the the other question which we're asking... um, every guest that we speak to on this series of the podcast is what is your dirty dish so you know behind closed doors maybe guilty pleasure no not guilty just pleasure pleasure oh you're, you're taking nigella's style so there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure no yeah no. um well, i said it first <laughs> i've just gorgeous i've just been reunited with crab sticks or fish sticks <laughs> Oh my god, yes! It's dipped. I dip them in sauces. I love yeah, It's pure protein. There's there's as far as I know, because we did we did a food and wrap store on them, it's pure surimi fish. Um so it's actually quite good for you, I think. <laughs> and I think they're delicious. And I snack on them in the car and then leave the little bits of paper um, plastic on the floor so the next day it absolutely stinks. <laughs> that's quite dirty. And do you, yeah, that is, I'd say that is quite dirty. Do you eat them plain or do you have them with anything? Um, no, I just have them plain. I mean, I mean, this is like as I'm walking past the fridge kind of affair. That and um, sna- uh, salamis. I used to, I've, I've progressed from pepperami. I'm now buying proper Polish salamis um so yeah those two it's a it's a step in the right direction it's still a bit of a way to go if you don't mind my my saying and tell me do you have any do you have any unfulfilled ambitions what's next for you um apart from apart from supper dinner apart from dinner unfulfilled ambitions what in the food world or just in life life i'd like to learn to sail I'd really like to learn to sail. I want to be able to charter a boat and just bugger off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can think of worse things to do. It's quite a romantic notion, I think, isn't it? But um, no, 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 no. It isn't a romantic notion at all. It is a very realistic one. And if you if you have that as as a a thing you really want to do, you should bloody well go ahead and do it. I I will. I I will. That and I'd like (laughs) a a farm in Puglia and make olive oil. (laughs) <laughs> pressed with lemons. That's a bit more grand. You're talking to a man who took six months off to travel around the Italian islands on a Vespa, you see? So yeah, it can be done if you're sufficiently selfish. <laughs> I'm getting there, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thanks, thanks so much. I mean, I know I could just sit here happily nattering away for, for hours to come. Well, lovely to see you, Barry. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Ah... Uh... Happy days. 
What a pleasure it was to talk to Matt. Listening to him, you can understand why cooking in this country is in much better shape now than it was when we first started. And how lovely it was to find that Matt in the flesh is even nicer than Matt on TV. And next week, Dad, is our final episode of season two. Can you believe it? (laughs) So a sneak peek is that as well as a a guest appearance from our favourite fan, we dive headfirst into all things Christmas. Yo, ho, ho. Oh, God. You could take that out. No, I think you're going to have to keep that in. Oh, dear.